You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. If you're still going to work or listen at home, just tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On Kentucky. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And today's episode of Locked On Kentucky is brought to you by Built Bar. My favorite one is the chocolate almond coconut. You've heard me talk about that one before. Remember, if you use promo code Locked On, you get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, several things we're going to get into today. One is uh, something that we didn't have time to discuss yesterday, but it happened yesterday on Tuesday, is the net rankings. The NCAA evaluation tool for the NCAA tournament has been tweaked. Uh, so we'll we'll discuss that, what changes were made and how it's either better or worse. Uh, we'll discuss that. Uh, also, uh, Joel Justice was uh, named one of the top 40 college basketball coaches under 40 by ESPN. He, of course, was recently a candidate for the opening at ETSU. So we'll discuss him a little bit. Some other things we'll get into. Uh, but first, we'll start with Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, saying, that the NCAA is not going to oversee a uniform return to college sports. So this idea that September 5th would be uh, college football's opening day, some uh, conferences say they're still pointing towards that. Some schools say we're pointing towards uh, beginning practice on this day. Well, but there is not going to be a reopening of college football on a specific date for everyone. It's going to be basically 50 different states uh, and and different conferences and schools. Cause there's even been some conferences say, we don't have to have all of our schools in our conference decide they can play for us to play. So, so there's not going to be a return to college football on a specific date when, you know, college football season starts, it could be, uh, some schools start playing games in September. Some may wait till November. Heck, we might even have schools play seasons in January. Who knows? But Mark Emmert said they're not going to step in and, and try to regulate this. They said it will be up to local and state health officials. Well, when you go down that road, you have California saying that their state universities are not going to welcome back students in the fall online only. Uh, I believe Oregon said something about not having mass gatherings uh, and kind of addressed, yeah, uh, college football and playing games that uh, that's not something they foresee anytime soon. You've had UK already say that they are planning on welcoming back students in the fall. They're taking that that course. Mississippi State announced today it is planning on students returning in the fall. You've had, like I said, commissioners say, uh, I can't remember which one, but there was one yesterday. I, it might have been the Big Ten commissioner or the Big 12. One of them said something along the lines of, we don't have to have students on campus at colleges in order for us to be okay with playing football. So you have so many That's, different yeah. variables and, and things being said out there. 
I mean, the college football season is going to be <laughs> it's going to be a mess. Yeah, and there there have been stories out there. Um, was it Alabama, USC, or one of the Pac-12 schools was supposed to open the season um, with Alabama? And there's been stories out there that they've already been exploring other, you know, other suitors, uh, other uh, power conference sort of marquee type opponents. Um, and I believe there was a team out of the Big 12 that also has a an opening game against a Pac-12 team um, on on that opening weekend that has been in talks with Alabama. So you know, about so I mean it's gonna it's gonna change everything. I mean I don't I don't think there's any possible way that um, you know, there was talk yesterday about the Pac-12 having uh, starting in January. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, how do you even? How do you have a how national? Do you have a bowl cha- season? How do you have a national champion? How do you have a a playoff uh, system? Are we? Are they just going to exclude the Pac-12? Um, you know, and what other whatever other leagues? They surely there'll be other leagues that are impacted by this. Um, that decide. Yeah, they what can't. about bowl games? I mean, yeah, the whole bowl I just, game system. I, 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 my my thinking is increasingly that everyone is going to get on the same page and say, let's try to do this in January. I, I just, I really, and that's just me. I mean, I'm, I'm that's not anything other than trying to read all the different tea leaves and there are a lot of tea leaves here. Um, it just still feels like to me, uh, I think there's, there is a strong desire to, there are two strong desires. One is just to play the play as scheduled in the fall. Everybody wants that. But especially these administrators really want, you know, during this academic year, which includes the fall and the winter, uh, spring, um, is, you know, they really want to play with fans. Because you're going to lose a bunch of money if you play in empty stadiums or, you know, 25% capacity. At that point, you know, your cash cow is not your cash cow. I mean, it's still, you still get the TV money, but, you know, there's there's a lot of money to be made at the concession stand and in, in the stadium. And, and, and as much as anything, that's a part of the, the deal, you know, I mean, college sports without fans and the sort of the passion and the pageantry the and, the, and, the and the tailgating. Yeah. I mean, they're just lesser sports <laughs> at that point. If you're just playing college sports and empty uh, buildings, um, you know, watch the NBA. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think it's, uh, I think this is this is a nightmare <laughs> in a lot in a lot of ways. I think what happened with California um, is kind of a nightmare for all these other conferences that want to say like it's gonna we're gonna play as scheduled. You know, there's been a bunch of universities through the SEC that have said we plan to come back in the fall, and other leagues. And so and then so you have those those conference commissioners and ads thinking, okay, we're gonna play football in the fall, but how can you do that? if you might have one of the major conferences totally on a different time frame. Yeah. Um, but reading the tea leaves, as you said, it feels to me like the SEC is kind of on the same page. Uh, I mean, you've got Miss State, you've got Kentucky both saying we plan to have students back on campus in the fall. Um, yeah, it seemed, you know, Mark Stoops saying we're planning on playing. I mean, unless somebody tells me different, we're planning on uh, kicking off on September 5th. Um, they seem to all be on the same page. Like they've talked about it and they're all, it's almost like it's a, uh, you know, a, a campaign here that they're putting out there slowly. 
hey, all of us are in agreement here, right? We're going to try to play in the fall. Let's let's present it that way. You know, if things change uh, and, you know, we reopen and things get worse and then we start to overwhelm the healthcare system or whatever, you know, whatever develops. And the SEC is still hell-bent on playing one way or the other. I could see the SEC saying, all right, let's do this instead. For all your non-conference games, we're going to either shorten the schedule or we're going to replace the non-conference games with conference games so that we will we'll just play ourselves and we won't play anyone else since we're all in agreement here that we want to play. Because to me, if one conference is going to play football in the fall, the first one to do it is going to be the SEC. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely... I definitely think if somebody's going to step out there on an island and just say, screw the rest of you, we're doing it, it's the SEC. <laughs> yeah, um, it just means more. But what is it? I mean, to what end, other than filling the coffers? Because at that point, you're not playing for a championship. I don't know. I, well, maybe you just say we play for an SEC championship. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There is no I mean, championship to, in the 20th To me, though, if you, if you think if you think that – January gives everybody the best chance for everybody to start at the same time and play a full schedule. Um, Because, you know, one of the underrated things here is like these uh, non power conference teams. uh, I read a thing that said, you know, if they were, if they, if they, if they don't play at all, um, they're not in as bad a shape as some of the big conference schools because they're obviously their budgets are not as bloated and all that. And they're not as, you know, reliant on this massive amount of money as some of these bigger schools. But if they they do play a season, but don't play the guarantee games, because that's another thing, you know, you, you may strip away these non-conference games and just play your conference schedule. If that happens, they're, they're screwed. Those smaller schools are screwed if they only yeah. play their conference games because they pay for everything else they do by playing the big boys in the non-conference games. Um, so there's, there's that ramification. There's just, there are all these, um, yeah, I think like the Mac has already canceled its postseason tournaments. Like has already said that next postseason we are not going to have tournaments in these sports. Like they've already looked ahead and said, Oh wow. Money wise, we can't say just as a money saving measure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. To me, it feels like if, if, if you start to identify, okay, it looks like the safest, most logical way that everybody can start at the same time and play a full season and actually crown a champion is January. Then, or or even you know December or whatever later in the fall, November. Say we're not gonna you know we're not gonna start this thing up in August as planned with two conferences and everybody else is just kind of waiting to see. Um, to me, it would be a much better thing <laughs> to, yeah. to have some some cohesion on when everything gets cranked up. I'd rather um, wait than have a hodgepodge of games and you're not going to be able to crown a champion. And it's just, uh, I'd be willing to wait uh, till January uh, if because there's means a, we have a full, real college football season with everyone yeah, and participating. There's, there's also this possibility that a couple leagues start up in in September and they you know, play four games and there's a second wave of, of, and you can't, you know, people, oh, you can't live in fear and not do anything because of what might happen. But I'm just saying one of the real possibilities that exists is that there's a second wave. A lot of people think there will be, 
um, by starting up in the fall, you open yourself up to the possibility that you play part of the season and then a bunch of people get sick, uh, including your players or your coaches or your fans or your support staff, you know, and in an outbreak situation, you got to shut it down. You know, there's no question if there's this huge other outbreak, they're going to have to shut it down. Do you really want to risk playing four or five games and then the season's gone? Because you're not going to, then you're not going to pick back up. You know, you're not going to have played four games and pick back up in January. Um, I don't know how that would even be safe uh, with guys. So I don't know. I guess just to me, it feels like set your targets a little further down the road. Stop trying to just shoehorn it into let's start right on time. Uh, you know, I'd love it if they did. I want that to happen if it can be done, but I would just like to see an actual semblance of a complete season, you know, all the way around whole country, you know, everybody, yeah. everybody with the, you know, that, that we're used to seeing in college football competing for that championship, but who knows? I, I'm, we're all just talking in circles here and hypotheticals because, we just don't know. And all these little it's it's not no. gonna be one big announcement. It's gonna be all these little pieces, just like it was with the when the postseason basketball tournaments. It was like, you know, a couple weeks out, the what was the Ivy League canceled their tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, and everybody was like, Whoa, they're overreacting, you know, and then the big championship weekend, it was like one conference canceled, and then well, maybe this this conference is gonna play a couple games and then they canceled and then we were even into that day that pretty much everybody was canceled except the Big East tipped off and played yeah. half a game. Um, right, half it feels of like the game. this football, the football decision is going to be just like that. It's going to be this, you know, all these people deciding on their own, on their own time, and probably ultimately all just reaching the same conclusion. And it's too bad they can't get all all get in a room and just say what what's the best case scenario that we can get this whole season played. Yeah. Let's start well, then. That's not going to happen with Mark Emmert at the head of it. He's not going to coordinate any of that. So that's where it stands for now. All right, coming up next, we're going to discuss uh, the adjustment to the net ranking, the, the NCAA evaluation tool that has been in use the past two seasons to help seeding for the NCAA tournament. There was a change to it that they've made and announced yesterday, and we'll discuss it next on Locked On Kentucky. I want to tell you about this protein bar I recently discovered. It is called Built Bar. Now, the first time I tried it, I really did think it tasted just like a candy bar. I mean, it's it's not chalky. It's not like so many of the other protein bars I've had. It's without a doubt the best tasting protein bar I've ever tried. I've tried several different flavors. Uh, to me, uh, I like chocolate peanut butter. They've got one of those. It's really good. They have 16 different flavors, every single one of them covered in real 100% chocolate. Eight of the flavors include some variation of nuts, like a coconut or an almond or a peanut butter, something like that. But that's only half the flavors, because if you have a nut allergy, they have another eight flavors that are nut-free, produced in nut-free facilities, like the Tasty Mint Brownie. Built Bar, super healthy as well. I mean, this this is one of those things where you're you're on the go. You're busy. You need to just eat something really quick, but you need it to be low calorie. You need it to be low sugar. You need low carbs. You want high protein to keep you full. You want high fiber for your digestive system. That's Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. 
You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky, and we are going to now get into the net rankings. We, I mean, we went over this, Kyle, last season. Uh, it seemed like every other day we were diving into the net rankings and how silly they seemed and how Kentucky was so low and how some teams were so high. And like even John Calipari made a comment at one point that he didn't say Duke specifically, but he meant Duke. And he was saying, they lose. It doesn't matter. How does this team keep losing? And they just stay the same in the net rankings. Oh, well, part of it is because your net efficiency. Now don't get confused here because this can be kind of confusing net meaning NCAA evaluation tool versus net efficiency, meaning net plus, you know, the, the, in the positive or in the negative, the net, your efficiency, offensive efficiency versus your defensive efficiency, subtract the offense from the defense. What's the net? So that can be confusing when we're talking about it. So that's what we're talking about when we say net efficiency. Okay. So the NCAA, Announced yeah, mathematical mathematical net versus the net ranking, right? Versus the acronym, yes. Because um, they were throwing me off when they were talking about it, but uh, that's just me. It could just be that I'm, you know, confused easily. But uh, the original that they they put out in 2018 had five different factors that they used to determine a team's net ranking. So now they've stripped it away down to just two factors. They're continuing to use the net efficiency, but now it's the adjusted net efficiency. And then they're going to use the team value index. The team value index is simply just the quality of a win. Did you win the game or lose it? How strong was the opponent you played? Where was the game played? And that's kind of like the team value index kind of helps you, you know, your quadrant one wins versus your quadrant two and quadrant three wins and losses, all that stuff. The net efficiency, as we described, it's points per possession offensively minus points per, per possession given up. What, what does your opponent have against you? Now, in the previous model's efficiency ranking, it was not adjusted for the quality of the opponent or for the location. So if UK went on the road and played Auburn and had the same net efficiency as it did in a home game versus Fairleigh Dickinson, they, they were the same. They counted the same. It's like Ken Palmroy. If you look at the Ken Palmroy rankings, that's what net efficiency is. That's what that's based on. It's not weighted. So the net ranking now is going to introduce a, a, an adjusted net efficiency. So now that it's weighted. So if the, your net efficiency in the game at Auburn is the exact same as the game at home against Fairleigh Dickinson, the one at Auburn is going to count more in your overall net efficiency ranking, which is part of the overall net ranking. So basically it now takes into the net efficiency does the quality of opponent. And if it's on the road or at home, so who did you play? How did you do an efficiency against that quality of opponent? And where did you play the game? So that is going to, uh, I think skew the numbers quite a bit. It'll, it'll be a more accurate representation of how you played. Yeah. I think it's essentially, we were talking about before we came on, it's basically like a weighted Ken Palm ranking. Um, right. Where, um, you know, he has already in his system, 
an efficiency rating for each game, but they're not weighted toward, you know, he doesn't give you more credit for being efficient against Auburn um, or being efficient against, you know, whoever versus one of your weak non-conference opponents. And I, I think that's a smart addition. I mean, one of the things we, one of the things we noted last year was just that eyeball test, you know, that, you know, human beings were, you know, had Kentucky, what, in the top 10, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10 or 12. Um, you know, and then both Ken Palm, especially Ken Palm, they were down in the like lower 20s or 30s, several points during the year. And then to the, to a lesser extent, but still noticeable, um, the net ranking, um, they just didn't match up. I mean, you know, yeah. we're watching them, you know, go win these quality road games. You know, were they great, great wins? Probably not. But I think when you go win uh, at Arkansas, at Auburn, at uh, LSU, at Tennessee, at Florida, um, you you know, you should you've got to find a way in your computer ranking to reward that. That's those are tough. You know, they're quality wins, quality road wins, um, and they they need to be, I think, acknowledged for as such a little more than just oh, you know, we were lethally efficient against uh, little sisters of the poor for ten games in the non conference, and 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 the computers are never going to punish us for you know losing close games to, to okay teams later in the year. Um, I thought that was really a really strange thing that the, that the uh, algorithms kept spitting out. And I think whatever they're, whatever they're trying to do to, you know, acknowledge to, to give a bump for what you do against the best teams on your schedule. I think that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. And it, it mentions the strength of schedule and it says it's modernized to reflect a truer measure for how hard it is to defeat opponents. So the strength of schedule is based on rating every game on a team's schedule for how hard it would be for an NCAA tournament caliber team to win. It considers opponent strength and sight of each game and assigns each game a difficulty score and then aggregating those across all game results in an overall expected win percentage versus a team's schedule, which can be ranked to get a better measure of the strength of schedule. So that is um, interesting as well. I think, I think they made the right call here to make it simpler and and weighting your net efficiency versus uh, more quality opponents. I think it's going to work out and be something that in the end will say, yeah, it looks a little better now. It's a little more accurate. We'll have to see. All right, when we uh, return on Locked On Kentucky, Joel Justice, Kentucky's assistant coach, uh, who's climbed up through the ranks there from when he first got to Kentucky to where he is now. Now he's one of the top 40 coaches under 40, according to ESPN. And we'll discuss that a little more when we return on Locked On Kentucky. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Back here on Locked On Kentucky and ESPN came out with a, a ranking, a list of the top 40 college basketball coaches under 40 and put Joel Justice in there at number 25. Recently, he was in the running for uh, the ETSU job. There was another job uh, down in uh, South Carolina uh, that he seemed to be a candidate for. What what job was that? Do you remember? Was it Elon? Uh, I don't, but I, I would – what's that? 
Yeah, that's. I thought it was maybe Elon or I, I can't remember the college. Elon may not. Oh yeah, 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 South yeah. Probably. Elon's in North know. Carolina, but I would think okay. anything in that North Carolina area, any of the mid majors, any of the yeah, he's from the North there, Carolina. You know, yeah, I would think he would there. be. Yeah, his, he grew up around Wake Forest. His dad was a um, uh, the sports information director of Wake Forest basketball forever and ever. Uh, he's connected there. He played at Wilmington. Um, uh, so, you know, he's got that connection. I, I would think ideally like his dream situation is to do that, to, to go back to somewhere in North Carolina and, and get his, his beak wet as it were, as a head coach in one of the mid majors in the Carolinas. Uh, but anywhere, I think in that, uh, coastal region, probably on the East coast, he would probably feel really comfortable, um, you know, be able to, being able to recruit that area, um, I think that's what he aspires to. And, you know, him being on this list is just sort of like a, another little nudging reminder that he's probably not going to be around Kentucky, you know, a whole lot longer. I mean, I may, may still take him another year or two before somebody's ready to make that jump on a young coach. Um, but the time he's put in, he, you know, he was a head coach in high school basketball, successful high school coach. He did play the game at the college level. Um, he's, you know, been able to recruit at a high level since he's been at Kentucky and, and the way he kind of parlayed a very nebulous sort of idea of what his job was uh, at Kentucky when he got there, he was like the analytics guy. Uh, they basically mm-hmm. brought him in um, uh, and, and it was when they were platooning and Cal was like, can you, uh, can you do basic math and uh, <laughs> divide yeah. and do per 40 minute averages uh, to uh, keep our players happy and show them what they were averaging per 40 minutes. I mean, he, he did other things. Um, but that that first job was really, like, undefined. And, you know, I think even probably would have been hard for him to even explain exactly what his role was. And then he, in short order, became a full-time assistant coach. He became uh, a key recruiter for them, uh, a guy that works out the players. And sh- he's a guy who – Shea Gilgis Alexander will credit greatly with his growth in that one year at Kentucky where he just blew up and went from the seventh best recruit they got in that class to the first player drafted or second player drafted, I guess, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the lottery. And, you know, he was – Joel Justice was the guy getting up and meeting Shea Gilgis Alexander at 6, 7 in the morning every day for film sessions and workouts and, and really working on his craft with him. Um, and I think things like that, those very specific items on the resume will probably eventually go a long way to getting him a, a, a head coaching job if that's what he wants. And I think it is what he wants. And, you know, Kenny Payne has had opportunities to leave Kentucky and become a head coach. And he has kind of said, well, it's going to take a lot for me to leave this. Like, what way, What I've got right now is pretty darn good in terms of pay and, and job security uh, and at the program that he's at. Um, you know, maybe Justice does the same and waits for just the perfect opportunity. He's kind of got that uh, luxury right now in the situation he's in uh, under John Calipari. This staff right here that's kind of uh, been together for a few years now with Kenny Payne and Tony Barbie and Joel Justice. Uh, uh, those guys together uh, seem to make a a pretty big, pretty good core for John Calipari. Yeah, and 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 you know Kenny's in that. <laughs> Kenny is very much in the same position, and even to a much 
you know, greater degree uh, than Joel in terms of, I mean, with the $900,000 a year salary for Kenny, he makes Mm -hmm. significantly more than Joel does. And, you know, given their experience levels and all that, I think rightly so, but he can, he can uh, be very picky. I think everybody on this Kentucky staff, including John Calipari, when you pay um, premium uh, salaries to your head coach and your assistant coaches, when you are, as Calipari loves to say, sort of the gold standard in terms of whether it be facilities or, you know, just prestige, um, you know, ask other coaches who've left, you know, and try to recruit at the same level without the Kentucky name on their, on their shirt, um, how that goes, it's tough. Um, you know, that's a, that's a strong appeal to guys who, even if they have bigger aspirations than being an assistant coach or, you know, want to branch out on their own, there's a lot pulling you back. There's a magnetism, uh, even on your worst day at Kentucky that, that pulls you back. Um, here. And so I think all those guys will wait for their ideal situation. Kenny has absolutely waited. You know, he, I think he could have been a head coach somewhere by now and he's waited. I think Joel wouldn't just take anything. I don't think, I think he'd be relatively picky, but uh, you know, he's going to have some opportunities I think in the next couple of years. We'll close with a few tidbits here. Ennis Cantor uh, told Sham Sharania of stadium that he's he's got deals on the table with WWE to become a wrestler once he finishes his basketball career, which we saw that coming from the time he stepped out in Midnight Madness dressed as the Undertaker or the Undercanter, as it were, back then. <laughs> that that's gonna be fun to see Ennis Cantor yes. as a wrestler. Uh and then Zion Williamson, former agent, they had a breakup. Um and they're like Zion got out of the deal and the agency uh, I think first Zion sued the agency to get out of the deal. And then the agency sued Zion back and said, whatever clause you're saying makes our deal null and void is incorrect. And the reason why it's incorrect is because you were being paid by, uh, by Nike, uh, by coaches. Uh, You were your, your mother and your stepfather were accepting uh, benefits that are not allowed under NCAA rules. And uh, the possibility came up when I think Pat Forty's report said uh, that the lawyer would like to depose Mike Shashevsky. And I don't know that we'll get your popcorn ready for that one. God, if yeah. they, if they get Mike Shashevsky under oath, uh, boy, I think if they open that up to the media, you wouldn't have enough seats. If you had a, if you had, if you put it in indoor, <laughs> Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and then coming off of that, Jeff Goodman, who is with, I think he's with Stadium now. Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, um, uh, Jeff Goodman was on with Nick Coffey, who has a radio show in Louisville. Uh, and Goodman said, we all know Nike helps Kentucky get players. We all know Nike helps Oregon get players. Uh, and some, I don't know, some fans were, a little upset at that comment, but uh, when you look at, you know, what the, the uh, NCAA, uh, sca- the FBI investigation that brought about all this scandal with, with Kansas and Arizona and Louisville and LSU and all this, uh, this stuff is going on in college. Now I'm not saying to the point where John Calipari is on the phone going, yeah, pay the kid, you know? Yeah. Make sure you get $10,000 payments every month to his family. 
not to that point, but clearly, you know, things have evolved to a point where the, the you know, the shoe companies do try to offer uh, some incentive and do try to steer kids in directions. And I, I don't think that uh, you can really um, honestly deny that Nike has probably helped Kentucky get some players over the years. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what form that looks like. I don't know, you know, if if it's anything illicit. Uh, I don't know for sure that it even happens, but I, I, you know, I think they're logically, I think one thing you would say is if, if Nike is and Adidas is and Under Armour is, um, compelled to help its sort of flagship, you know, one flagship program, you know, Kansas is Adidas and, um, Louisville was Adidas. Um, you know, if, if they're compelled to help one flagship program in some form or fashion, it it would stand to reason that they are compelled to help, uh, all of their flagship, uh, programs, um, in some form or fashion. So, you know, Nike has influence. Uh, Adidas has influence. Under Armour has influence. You know, they, they have these shoe circuits, uh, for a reason. And it's not out of their charitable goodness of their heart to, you know, see youngsters achieve their dreams. <laughs> right. <laughs> that ain't why they started those things. Um, you know, it was to get ingratiated. I mean, it just at the basic level, those, the grassroots shoe sneaker circuit uh, was created to ingratiate these uh, players to, to indoctrinate them from day one, from, you know, starting down in their, you know, middle school years when they start playing travel ball or earlier, you know, I'm wearing Nike gear and Nike's Nike is the thing I'm wearing Adidas gear. Adidas is the thing, you know, not only to, to spread it through the market and, and have, you know, kids everywhere wear those shoes and think they're, you know, see their friends who play on the travel team and think those are the cool shoes. But then the, the long game has always been, you sign those kids when they become pros and then right. they become your, they become your pitch men. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and the, there's a reason that they're, those shoe companies are sponsoring universities in the first place, and, right? And giving them all this free gear. And, you know, I mean, Kentucky just gets mountains of Nike yeah. gear. Um, these guys so get, much so you know, that they have like surplus sales to they to give fans. it away. They're basically giving it away every year. They, they, you know, and there's shoes that guys get they don't even like, and they never wear them. You know, they, yeah. they get ser- several pairs every year, um, because they want everybody to see you in those shoes, and they want the players, these high level players, to be come comfortable wearing that gear and want to wear it at the next level. I mean, there it's in in so many intertwined ways, of course shoe companies are influencing um to what degree i don't know but yeah in one form or fashion of course nike has helped kentucky um and and helped duke and helped you know i would say every one of their flagship programs now are they as you said are they uh dropping bags um i don't know i i think a lot in a lot more of those cases we're talking about agent type deals uh right it feels like more than shoe company deals, but uh, put Mike Krzyzewski on the stand. I am for that. Put Mike Krzyzewski on the stand. <laughs> right. Let's see what he has to say. Yeah. And I think for, and I'm not 
uh, alleging that Kentucky's done any wrongdoing whatsoever. I actually think that John Calipari, by coming to Kentucky, uh, if, and he's had, um, you know, issues with the NCAA in the past, but not been implicated in either of the situations with Marcus Camby or Derek Rose, that he had any involvement in either of those situations, but the perception was there. And I don't think there's any doubt Calipari knew the perception was there. And that by coming to Kentucky, uh, I'm sure he said to himself, look, uh, we have got to keep this as much above board as, as we, as we can. I mean, this has to be squeaky clean because they hate me. They're out to get me. Uh, and at Kentucky, we don't have to, we don't have to bend the rules. We're at Kentucky now. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, so I could see that too, that mentality of, uh, Hey, we know this stuff goes on, but listen, you guys, my assistants don't get involved with it. You know, let the agents and all that stuff handle it. They want to pay players or whatever. Let Nike worry about that stuff. And if they can get us guys, that's fine, but we're not going to get involved. I can see that being uh, kind of the mindset as well, but Really, I have no idea. That's all just speculation and, you know, based on all the stuff I've seen over the years here. So, yeah, we can, I, uh, I, I think there's I think probably across college basketball, there's probably, there's probably a bunch of head coaches uh, going. I don't one thing I know for sure is I don't want to know uh, yeah. the Rick Patino, right. <laughs> the Rick, Rick Patino defense. Uh, yeah. I had I had no idea. Um there, what you aren't going to find, I would almost certainly uh, guess, whether it be Duke or Kentucky or any of these uh, Hall of Fame coaches, I guess with the exception of Bill Self, um, who's had some sort of eyebrow-raising conversations get caught. But none will be as brazen as, you know, not, not going to be a lot of head coaches on the phone like Will Wade uh, saying, <laughs> you know, the head yeah. coach saying, Let's make a strong ass offer, um, right? That uh, that I don't think we're going to see. I don't think I think somebody else, one of the national writers, pointed this out. I'm not sure we're going to see blood on on Mike Shashevsky's hands. I, I would be really surprised if anybody's able to to uh, nail Mike Shashevsky to the wall on this, where you yeah. know you had him dropping duffel bags, kicking a duffel bag under the Denny's table outside of the Peach Jam. Uh, but, uh, which, you know, I think probably happens with people. Uh, but I don't think anybody's going to have, uh, Mike Krzyzewski on that one. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for another edition of locked on Kentucky. We got one more coming your way on Friday, unless something big happens and we decide we need to do another podcast on Thursday, but, uh, plan on Friday. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and ask us, uh, questions if you want uh, a topic for us to discuss whatever i'm at d-r-i-e-f-f-e-r kyle is at kyle tucker underscore a-t-h all right folks play the latest episode tell your smart device to play the latest episode of chad ford's nba big board and we will talk to you again later this week thanks for listening you are locked on kentucky Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.